bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits well, a homicide and kills people up... If you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. Frank, candid and straight to the point. This is the best radio show in the state of Wisconsin. Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth App. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. How long does it take an email to come through? Like, when you're in a system and you're outside a system versus inside a system. I wonder. Because I've sent myself two emails. Well, I didn't send them to myself. I sent them... to another email and myself. And I sent it at 3.57. It literally just showed up at 4.04. Like, what's that about? Like, what, what, ex- <laughs> what exactly is that about? So, I got some questions. Simple questions. But first, I want to read a story that I've been wondering about since I became a police officer and was sworn in as a recruit officer, April 12th, 1993. So I'm using population numbers, not driver numbers. And so maybe I should... Look at just just in in raw numbers, ask the question, how many people have driver licenses in Wisconsin? Right? 
Number of licensed drivers in Wisconsin, 2016. Can I get anything sooner? Okay, that, that doesn't tell me anything. So I don't, I don't really care. Hmm. So they gave me this huge list. And you got to find Wisconsin on it. Okay, so Wisconsin has 4,340, I'm sorry, 4,340,851. And that's an important number. All right? These are licensed drivers in the state of Wisconsin. 4,340,851 licensed drivers. Okay? All right. Keep that number in your head. Chris Ramirez from JS Online in an updated story from 240 today says that one in five licensed motorists has at least one conviction for operating a vehicle while under the influence. So if we have 4,340,851 drivers times 20%. That's one in five, right? There are 868,174, I'm sorry, 170 drivers in Wisconsin that have at least one OWI. Well, Chris Larson is pushing for the seventh time a proposal that would require all motorists convicted of Operating while intoxicated, which is actually operating under the influence in Wisconsin, not OWI. Even first-timers to get alcohol-detecting ignition interlocking devices for their cars. Larson, a Democrat from Milwaukee, says too many people drive while intoxicated thinking they're unlikely, they're unlikely to be caught and that if they're pulled over, it won't affect their lives. We do, we need to do more to change our dangerous culture of drinking and driving. He pitched the merits of this proposal at a news conference today, joined by MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving Representatives. Wisconsin has some of the loosest laws on the use of interlocking devices on vehicles driven by motorists convicted of driving while impaired. Now, understand something. This isn't just alcohol. So when he said operating while intoxicated, he was very clear because he was talking about alcohol. When, in fact, the law is operating under the influence of alcohol or other. Let me just read it. Operating under the influence of an intoxicant or other drug. And that includes meth and weed and all that other stuff. Use of a device likely could play a pivotal role in preventing a number of fatal crashes around the state, including a deadly wrong-way collision that killed three people and injured two others in Wyoiga in December. So what are the drinking and driving laws in Wisconsin? Drunk driving isn't allowed in any state. In Wisconsin, however, a person's first three operating while intoxicated penalties, excluding having above-average blood alcohol level or causing harm or damage that can worsen the sentence are considered misdemeanors. 
Okay, so let me see exactly what you said about that. Well, it's a misdemeanor, so that makes it a crime. So I'm okay with that. A fourth offense is a felony punishable by up to six years in prison. We rarely send people to prison or jail for operating under the influence. Ignition interlock devices have been required for drivers convicted of either a first-time OWI offense with an alcohol concentration of 0.15 or higher, a repeat OWI. Now, remember, these are only for people with alcohol in their system. A driver who refused to provide a breath or blood sample for, or for a chemical test during a traffic stop. So if you're what we call a refusal, because by law, because you have the privilege of driving with a driver license, they tell you you have to submit to a breath test when requested to do so by a certified law enforcement officer. So what's an ignition device? Device. You blow into it the size of a cell phone if the blood alcohol concentration is above 0.02 you can't drive who pays for it cost with equipment runs you're ready 120 bucks a month 770,000 of Wisconsin's 4.3 million million licensed drivers have at least one OWI now that's unconscionable Center for Disease Control promotes the idea that ignition interlocking devices reduces drunk driving recidivism by 67%. What I'm not finding on here is who's fighting this and who helps set up the law so that people in Wisconsin can drive drunk. Larson's been pushing for drunk driving laws to be tougher for 25 years. So what do we know? We know that people in Wisconsin drive drunk. Right? We know, number two, that they make alcoholic beverages in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. So it's relatively cheap. How did I find that out? Some people with taverns won't pay the additional costs to have beer delivered to them by a distributor, they'll go pick it up themselves because they make it in Wisconsin and take it to their tavern. So now the cost of alcohol is even cheaper. And so I used to wonder, being here from Illinois, how do you sell beer so cheap? And they say, hey, they make it here. So there's a lot of costs that you don't have to pay in gas and transportation and distribution that you don't have to pay because we're here. We order beer, we go pick it up. So wow. Number three, drinking is social. So if you want to hang out, if you want to belong, I know people that have said they don't trust people if they don't drink. So I ask, well, what is that? Like, why wouldn't you trust somebody? Oh, so they won't tell their inner darkest secrets and then you can hold stuff against them that they can hold. Okay. And then number four, and this is the part of it that, I, that, that, that made me think. What's missing? In this story, when we know that 20% of the people are roughly 770 to 800,000 people in Wisconsin have at least one OWI. That means somebody's not talking. That means if you throw a penny up in a group of 10, right, two of them have been arrested for drunk driving. 
Is that a scarlet D on your head? No. Is that a scarlet O-W-I? No. But the one thing the story missed, the one thing Chris Larson's information missed, the one thing that I think the Journal Sentinel missed is if at least 20 people in Wisconsin have at least one OWI, my question is, why? And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. You are listening to Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. So, there's a Racine County Sheriff's Deputy we talked about the other day, Preston Kite, 37, who's accused of exposing himself inside a Sturdivant gas station while on duty. Like, what? Racine County Sheriff was fired. Let me let me let me rephrase that. The Racine County Sheriff fired one of its deputies. Okay, so whoever wrote this wrote it incorrectly. They don't understand. The Racine County Sheriff's Office fired one of its deputies recently charged with possessing child pornography. Preston Kite, 37, had been working with the department off and on since 2019. Investigators discovered child pornography after 38-year-old man called Racine County Dispatch to report an incident that occurred February 3rd of this year inside the Petro Stopping Center on South Sylvania Avenue in Sturdivant. According to the complaint, adult victim said while he was making a pit stop, at the Petro on his way home to Illinois, he received a message on Sniffles, a map-based hookup app, to come inside the gas station bathroom. When the man went inside the bathroom, the complaint says the complainant stated that he washed his hands and then, and then the stall behind him opened and he saw an officer in uniform with a gun and radio standing there exposed. The officer told the complainant, hey, don't be scared. Come on. The victim instead left, took a picture of the squad car parked outside, and reported it the same day. Racine County Sheriff's Office said Kite was taken off the road immediately following the complaint, brought in for questioning, investigated due to his employment with Racine County. But Kenosha came in and investigated it because, you know, you didn't want the same folks investigating stuff like that. And according to the criminal complaint, investigators reviewed surveillance video from inside and identify Kite. When they questioned Kite, he told investigators he planned to meet up with someone to have a sexual encounter. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. They continued to investigate. So did uh, Kenosha County deputies. Searched his phone, found dozens of child pornography videos that say he received and distributed on online apps. One message, Kite asked another user, do you have any more super young they arrested him that night, the night of February 3rd, brought him into custody, 
where he's being held on a $150,000 bond. Facing one count of child pornography, five counts of sexual exploitation of a child, one count of disorderly conduct, and one count of lewd and lascivious behavior. So you work there part-time. What kind of background check do we do about people now? Like, what, what kind of, like, who, who are these people you hiring that they can actually come in and actually get a job and be basically a pedophile? Now, granted, it's not against the law to be a pedophile. It's against the law to do something when you're a pedophile. And he did something. So rightfully so, he should be put underneath the jail. But I have a question. How how do you figure out when something's doing when someone's doing something wrong? How do you figure out whether or not somebody is wrong? I don't know. How do you figure out the background of a person? Because I'm gonna tell you, when they did my background, it was pretty like thorough. Like they went all up in my business. Kindergarten teachers. Elementary school teachers, all that. If they were alive, they talked to them. What are they doing in the background nowadays? Like, I don't know. What are they doing in the background in law enforcement where people like that slip through the cracks? And how is it that you didn't know? That's what I don't understand. How did you not know? Did anybody monitor this guy? Because, you know, sometimes that's what they do. When you're out, they kind of follow you and every now and then check on you. Go to a call. Supervisor might show up. Hey, what's going on? All that. Hmm. 833-212-1017 is the number. The police from the talking text line. Dan said the police and sheriff municipal income tax funding needs to be changed. They're receiving too much funding and more than all sectors in the country. Um, that's on a side note, of course, but I'll address it. I guess I got to do Sherwin today, right? Just follow the talking text line all day. So, first of all, sheriffs aren't municipal. Sheriffs are county, so that's different. But they take up a huge part of the budget, right? Many of these things are mandated by the state of Wisconsin. Most states will mandate you to have certain policing and at certain levels and certain times and certain places and all that. For instance, your entire county structure for the court, the bailiffs, the judges, the prosecutors, the DA, the deputies, the sheriff, the command staff, the nurses, everything, corrections, everything is an unfunded mandate. So when you got to pay for something from scratch, it costs more. And because it's mandated, it's going to cost more. And so now we have it. When you say it's too much funding, what do you mean? What do you mean too much funding? Why, why would you say it's too much funding? It takes a significant amount of the budget to make sure public safety is just that. You remove that. And you're going to have what you have now in Milwaukee, Madison, 
in some instances, Sheboygan, Green Bay, Manitowoc, Oshkosh. Like these, these cities are starting to turn for the worse because they don't have funding. Now, I'm not saying fund the police the same way that you fund a teacher, but you can track significantly easier whether or not a police officer or firefighter is doing the job by how they perform. You're held to a standard, and if you don't, you get fired, whether they have a union or not. So when you say they receive too much or more than any other sector in the country, what should they get? Like, how do you find equity and safety? Have everybody's neighborhood be bad or everybody's neighborhood be good? I don't know how you do that. I don't understand how you do that. But in one way, we have to remember that in the end, safety is more important. So that municipal tax we got, the 2% or the, or the taxes that we pay, they don't pay for sheriffs. They pay for just police and fire. And to some extent, ambulance. So it's, it's, it's important. I, I kind of feel you. But at some point, we got we to gotta start to look at these things that are happening in our city and what we can do in order to change them because things are getting pretty bad. And nobody's speaking up. Nobody's talking about it. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about my favorite topic. Curtis Ambulance and the issues that they had and the new things that are coming. So says the Milwaukee Fire Chief. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. This story is going to probably make me happy, I would say. From what I'm reading and from what I'm ready to tell you, I think you'll find it refreshing. Keep listening. You are listening to Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. JS Online, Elliot Hughes has a great article today about, well, he talks about just over a week ago, the first responders with the Milwaukee Fire Department. Milwaukee. And, well, the city's two private ambulance companies have been expected to conduct foot searches anytime a patient is not immediately located. That's what he told the committee today. The chief called that a stopgap measure while he and other emergency medical officials scrambled to update standard operating guidelines after the death of Jolene Waldruff at a busy intersection in sub-zero temperatures on January 15th. We are reeling in wake of this, Lipsky said in front of the Public Safety and Health Committee. We are feeling a tremendous amount of pressure to make this right. So to emphasize the urgency, the council delayed approval of an amendment to contracts with the city's two private ambulance companies, which 
as a result, has created a cash flow issue for these companies, one official says. But, hey, why do you put all your money in one city thing like that? That's just how life goes. Although Lipsky did not have a written draft of any protocol changes to share today, he and officials from Bell and Curtis assured committee members that they were on the same page and would satisfy the council's desire. Now, this is the same Curtis that's, if I remember correctly, said that they weren't getting out of their um, trucks. But I think you should lose the contract then. If you can't, when they update it, if you can't fulfill it, you need to lose it. It's called, what do they call that? Let me think. Um, the economy, um, they call it uh, doing business. They call it, uh, yeah, that's how life goes. So I ain't going to cry about it. They responded and didn't get out. So fire and ambulance officials said that right now all Emergency medical service first responders have been told to use common sense, exit their vehicles when they arrive at a scene and cannot when and cannot immediately see anyone in an emergency. I guess we can call that the get out and go standard. Lipsky said that a formal update of their SOP will instruct responders to conduct foot searches during extreme weather or when environmental conditions or obstructions create impaired or reduced visibility at or around a location or landmark to which responders are dispatched. I like that. He said extreme weather conditions would include advisories and warnings for wind chill, heat, Winter storms, blizzards, ice storms, dense fog, air quality, and snow squalls. Responders will be instructed to interact with dispatch to reestablish contact with the caller, interact with bystanders in the area, and activate lights and sirens to announce their arrival. And that's weird because police, when you get the information, the caller's name, if they give their name and phone number and all that, it's in the call. We just call them. Well, they just call them. They just call them. Yeah. Hey, you're the caller? Yeah. What'd you see? What'd you hear? What'd you got? I'm standing here. You want to meet me? Where can we go? All that. So the resolution passed the council last week, urging Lipsky to review available and future technologies for locating 911 callers who are using cell phones. Don't we have that already? And, and here's the other question. Do you want to be followed by your cell phone? Do we need to just get like England? That's what I think. I think in public, we just need to get like England. There are CCTV cameras on every single corner at every single intersection. It doesn't matter if it's residential. doesn't matter if it's downtown. doesn't matter if it's busy. doesn't matter if it's a sporting event. Everywhere. Is that something we need for Milwaukee? 833-212-1017. Is, is, is it time that if we're going to pay this 2%, why don't we just jack it up and, of course, make an ordinance that says this money has to go for CCTV cameras on every corner? Why don't we just jack it up and make the tax 10%? We're already paying 7.9. Just make it 10% and pay and get the cameras and be done. And when you say it wasn't you and you say you didn't have the accident and you say you couldn't see it, it's right there. And then we'll hire the extra people that we need. Because now we don't have to watch the cameras. All we have to do is record the cameras. 
and you keep the recording for X number of years, and then you dump it. You put something in an ordinance where you got to update it every seven or eight years, technologically, and you dump it. And that's it. And we got to go through all this stuff. Don't have to go through all this pontificating. Because at some point, it's going to come back and bite us. At some point, it's going to hurt. 833-212-1017 is the number. Stacy, you're on the award-winning 1017 The Truth. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm great. So I was sitting here listening to you in regards about um, the resolution for the bail ambulance and that situation that happened on Congress. I'm a firm believer in that protocol and also SOP, standard operating procedure, should have been something that should have been taught back in during the training academy. It definitely shouldn't have been something where a tragic situation took place. Once again, it's just yeah, our but, city being but, reactive but you do, but instead you, of proactive. But you do understand that this could not have been foreseen. I mean, it, you, you have course, to at least. It, it, it couldn't have been foreseen, right. but we live, in a, we live in a city where we have blizzards and snowstorms on a regular basis. So to me, it would have just been part of their operating procedures without having to have been told to update it. That hey, get out your vehicle and check to make mm. sure that when you get drops, drops and calls. Well, I think you can have a justified excuse. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean it has to be accepted. And well, in this case, but- it was a justified excuse. And it ended in a bad tragedy. And once again, it's another proactive. It's like we always being proactive. No. See, part of the issue with the police and all that is that people complain that the police are proactive. They complain that police harass people. They complain that police do things because they're proactive. Well, the police, in order to do their jobs, have to be proactive. They have to make certain assumptions and certain things. So here's here's my I can only speak for us. I can't speak for the fire department. I think most firefighters would have looked and got out. I think most police officers would have definitely got out the car and went and looked. So, so, but, but I don't know if we can go back in time and say you should have done it when there's nothing that says you should have done it. It's one of those things that un- unfortunately we learned from and we move forward. I think they should have got out the, got out the rig and Absolutely. looked for it. But, we Absolutely, can't hold them like to something that's them the not right. Common sense now. No, it's like to no. me, it, it, that's, that's basically what they they were told to do. Right, common sense now, because what they they changed their actual standard operating procedures to reflect that. So they're basically wrote and just used a different verbiage to write common sense down as a standard operating procedure. And that mm. I didn't say the post. This but that's what right here is involving ambulance service. So yes, um, it should have been immediately already something that they've been you shall always have a risk factor for everything you shall always you can't. make sure that you're you looking can't. at all scenarios you can't you can't you can't tell the you absolutely how old are you stacy me i'm 37 years old you can't know everything that's going to happen at 37 you can't it's not knowing i didn't say you can't plan for things that have some you, like what you should have a protocol in place that says to get out of your vehicle. That you can't. Not, it should not have to wait for a situation to happen for them to have to have a protocol to say, we've hey, had ambulances for 100 years and we've never had an issue until now. 
So why would you have an issue in a, in, for something that the the odds of it happening were so minuscule that you didn't like? You think this is the only thing that they should have done, or the only thing in the SOP that may have a loophole, but we don't know because nothing's happened. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. It should have been, to me, better checks and balances in place on all levels. From You can't from check the, and balance risk. You can't check and balance risk when you don't know it would happen. Like, if you have a car accident, I should tell you, you should have known better because you were driving the car that you were going to have an accident, and so you shouldn't have drove the car. Well, how would you know that? I mean, yeah, I'm, but I'm, that's, that's, that's like comparing apples and oranges. No, it's not. In the, in the, in that okay. Shit. If that's how you feel. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate that's that's a, that's that's some yeah, that, that's just, some clear thinking to me yeah it's just to me that they basically to me i'm viewing that sop that they're they created is basically putting they put common sense down as a standard operating procedure that's my interpretation of that procedure update that they gave in regards about it is just that they use verbiage and big words but but common sense is based on experience and so your common sense and my common sense are literally adversely different. Would you at least accept that? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, of course. We, we thank well, you. I, I think we agree. I think we agree. Yes, of course we do. We we both agree that they should have got yep. themselves out there. <laughs> yep. All right. And endure that little cold weather. Yeah, you know that sub zero weather might make me, you know. I might get a chill. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Talk to you later, Doc. Yep. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. Black Conscience is coming up. Talking text line and you. Don't touch that dial. More of Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. Good Doc says the talking text line, the caller said, has many streets that are void of street lights for decades. How about we get 100% street lights in this? <laughs> so and so. Uh, there are so many streets so dark, the camera will detect, will not detect plates on cars. Well, that's not necessarily true because they got digital technology. Your, your phone in your hand can pick up stuff in the dark. So I don't think that would be an issue. I, th- I think the issue would be just pay for it and get it and be done. Now, you're right. We, we still need the streetlights fixed. So if you got any streetlights that are out, um, just call your older person and tell them don't tell DPW because it might go into a hole because they're overwhelmed. Call your older man or woman and have them call them. Cause I'm going to tell you, I had an issue before and made a phone call and they took care of it and it was great. So I appreciate it, but yeah, we need street lights and we need cameras. That's just me. Eight, three, three, two, one, two, one, zero, one, seven black conscience. What's going on? Not just self and good health, Doc. How are you? 
I am wonderfully well and really, really, really glad to be alive and speaking with you at this time. Right. But I don't think we've, a lot of us won't follow through because we don't even know our aldermen nor our numbers. And that's not all, but it's quite a few. So I don't. I, I, I push against the cameras, um, and I have several issues with that. One, they are predominantly in black and brown areas and overly uh, produced. Two, they have glitches that will sometimes catch you and falsely uh, ticket you. And I'm only going off my Chicago experience. And three, Chicago had to take them down because they found that it was unconstitutional and that it was uh, kind of not fair all the way across the board. You got one side of the town that got heavily, heavy, heavy uh, cameras and one side don't. And they don't prevent crime from happening. Right. It's a reaction thing. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, you got it. You got it on camera of this happening. But, you know, you didn't prevent that. You didn't prevent that whatever from happening is always reacting. And it just wasted taxpayers dollars along with the maintenance upkeep of it. And the unfair treatment of it in certain black and brown uh, communities. So how do you how do you fix that? Um, yeah, I want to be paid as a consultant to give you the instruction <laughs> on how to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's right. If you, if you want my suggestion on how to fix, you know, um, I'm not on your board to let them know the best solutions. But if you would like to call me in as a consultant to give you best practice and solutions for that, I will more than happy share that with them. Well, that doesn't help I know me that's any. Not working. Well, that doesn't help me well, any because you, I, I don't. I, I'm not I paying. I can share you. with you, but I'm not going to. I can share with you, but I'm not going to share it over the airwaves. Then I'll be releasing my ideas, and and they will run with it and not give me any credit for it. So at a later time, when I see you at the next third annual uh, <laughs> uh, MAT, uh, MAT uh, third annual uh, uh, Truth Radio luncheon, I will share with you. My thoughts about that. All right. I appreciate that. And before I leave you, Dr. Ken, live righteous Milwaukee and love, my brother. All right. Thank you, sir. 833-212-1017 is the number. I, I think it's time. I think it's time we take uh, uh, information from some of these European um countries and start to put in cameras um take away our civil rights and when you're in public you don't have anything that you can do you gotta you know you gotta do it because otherwise People are going to keep getting away with too many things. People are going to start getting away with, with um, robbery, drugs, drug deals. I mean, that wipes out all drugs on the street because we got cameras. They'll try to find them. They'll try to break them. They'll try to. But if you set it up high enough and put the angles the way you're supposed to, Instead of having one person decide who's going to do it, but do it as a committee, we'll 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 get it done. 
We'll get it done. I think um, it's it's important that we make the city as safe as possible. And I think the only way to do that is with cameras. Then stuff like the, the Curtis Ambulance and Milwaukee Fire Department stuff won't happen. That those things will go away because we'll be able to monitor everything. Now, does that make me feel happy? Are we violating your civil rights? Mm. No. Because you're in public. And when you're in public, you don't have to do all those things. When you're in public, you don't, you don't, you don't get certain rights that you have in other places. When, when you have certain rights, like in privacy in your home, in your car, in someone else's home, that's one thing. But when you're in public, all bets are off. And so other than an, an illegal stop, per se, other than an illegal search and seizure, you being seen is wide open. That's why if you go to the baseball game or football game and you flip over that ticket, it tells you, hey, so you know, somebody tried to sue a team because they got put on TV at a game when they had called in work sick and they got fired. And, and the court said, hey, back of your ticket says you're in public and you're going to be on TV. You should have known that. You should have taken precautions. 833-212-1017. Damien, you're on the award-winning 1017 The Truth. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Doctor Ken? What's up? Um, if they start putting cameras in the hood, okay, I I was raised on First and Burleigh and Twenty Second and Brown. They're gonna start throwing rocks at them to to bust those cameras down. No matter who they got, they're gonna get a group of people together, and most likely get them. They gonna they gonna try to make bets on who can hit the camera down. Or, or or change the camera uh, angle so it's not showing what's going on. You think so? Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't think so. And I and I only have about a, about a minute or so. But I don't. I don't think so. I think. Um. I think if you hide them and disguise them well enough, nobody will notice. You could put them in a street light. Yeah, but you could put them in a street they're light. They're gonna, they're gonna pay a token when they're putting them up. Like, oh, they're putting up cameras. All right, then they're gonna they're gonna put that word around. Right. Hey, they're putting up cameras, y'all. And then they're gonna see if we can knock them down. And you'll be on video knocking it down, and then you come and you get a ticket or and you get arrested. Hey, they, all these, uh, all the uh, the Pooh Shiesty masks that's going around, they, they, everybody hiding their identity now. But here's, here, here's, here's one thing you forgot, and then I got to go. They can track you because as you walk away from one camera you broke, you're going to walk into line with another camera. So no matter what you do and from what angle, they got you. They'll follow you all the way home on camera. I watch them do it. You can't break them all. Yeah, you can't break them all. No, you can't. But I still think that they, especially in the hood, nope. where where there's the most drug and in stealing of cars and all that, they'll they'll find it. All right. Well, thank you much. I appreciate it. Yeah. I don't know. 
I think we will do better. I think we will take the time, and I think we will eventually get worn down to where we'll stop trying to break stuff and tear stuff up. Top five at five up next.